Welcome back to the Hour View podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Katerina Rivera. Katerina is a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, and our conversation today spans a range of topics about accessibility of social media apps and also why disability cannot be excluded from diversity conversations. I hope you enjoy this episode. I would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Our View podcast, where we educate, raise awareness, and change the tone of conversation about disabilities. I'm very happy to welcome my guest today, Katarina, and uh, thank you for joining me today, and I'm very happy to have you on as a guest of the podcast today. Thank you. It is so awesome to see these conversations happening, and I'm looking forward to everything that you're going to be asking me. Yeah. <laughs> so I I always start off my podcast the same way by asking my guests to introduce themselves. And uh, so could you do that for us? Can you tell us who is Katarina? <laughs> so I'm Katarina Rivera. That's my name in Spanish. Yes. I'm a public speaker and DEI consultant uh, where I work with companies to help them become more aware of disability, more inclusive and accessible. I'm Cuban and Puerto Rican and I really center my Latina identity as part of the main part of me. And that's one of the reasons that my Instagram handle is Blindish Latina because I want everybody to see that intersection right in front of their faces. Blindish Latina, I'm blind, I'm disabled, and I'm Latina. And that really matters to me. I also have two graduate degrees. And one of the reasons that I talk about my degrees and my education is to dispel this myth or this idea that disabled people are not a part of society and existing in the same spaces that everyone else exists in. And, you know, we're here, we're educated, we're in higher education settings, we're in the workforce, we're everywhere. And you might not know that we're there. So I started Blindish Latina to be representation for people that need it because I needed it and I didn't see people that look like me, that represented my culture within disability. That is so true. And I love that you said that you, you know, you highlight the education part because it's not, um, it's, it's not common to hear of people with disabilities and, uh, you know, who go on to achieve a higher education degree. And I also do the same thing. I have a master's degree. And I can say that throughout my, you know, throughout my whole educational time from elementary school through college, through my master's program, there were very few people with visible disabilities with, you know, using a wheelchair, using a mobility device or someone who identified as being blind or deaf. Um, it was very rare that I had a class and, and very even more rare if I had a class with someone else who had a visible disability. So uh, it is, it's very important that we uh, highlight those achievements uh, that we have made and uh, let people know, like you said, we're out here, we're doing good things, we're doing big things. 
And, uh, you know, we're not just falling into the old stereotypes of what people think uh, disabled people should be doing, which, you know, a lot of times people feel like we should be doing nothing or that we are doing nothing. But we're out here, we're doing things, we're traveling, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're uh, in your stores, I always say, we're, we're in your Walmarts and your Targets, and we <laughs> go food shopping. We do a whole bunch of great things, and it's um, it's very important that we stress those, uh, you know, those those accomplishments that we have. So, you know, that's really great. And I love how you, uh, you know, your Instagram handle, I love how that is it speaks to who you are as your identity of blindish Latina. And it's really like, it's right there, <laughs> you know, no question about it. Like that, that's who you are. And it's, you know, that's really great. So I, I appreciate that. Um, as you mentioned, um, you are a part of the disabled community. So now I would like, um, I would like to know what your disability diagnosis is uh, and just how it impacts your life, how, how it is, impacting your life on a daily basis? My diagnosis is called Usher syndrome, Usher like the singer, and I have type two. There are three types of Usher. When I was born, I was born hard of hearing, and my parents found out when I was three or four years old, and I was fitted with hearing aids. All throughout my childhood, that was my disability. We got speech therapy. My brother and I actually have the same um, diagnosis. So a lot of the stuff, it was both of us together. Speech therapy, IEP meetings, you know, receiving accommodations in school. And I adjusted very well. When I was 17, that's when I was diagnosed with Usher. And Usher includes an eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa in addition to the hearing component. So I was really thrown for a loop when I was diagnosed. It was something that I was not expecting. I had started to notice changes in my vision when I was a teenager. And that's very typical for the type of usher that I have. The other ones might have different timelines and kind of a different type of progression. But for mine, that was very typical. And it transformed my life. You know, now looking back, I have a lot of distance from that, from that time when I was 17 years old, heading off to college and I was hit with this diagnosis. So my perspective has changed so much. At the time that I was diagnosed, it was a tragedy. It was really hard. It was a loss. It was something that I had to grieve and cope with and be angry about and sometimes just be in denial about. And now what I would say on a daily basis, I feel that disability has transformed my life. It's made me more aware, more empathetic, and more powerful. The amount of times that I have had to speak up for myself and self-advocate has made my voice loud and powerful. So I'm grateful to be in a space of disability pride now. As far as how does my diagnosis or my disability impact my daily life. What I have is a very narrow visual field. So if you can imagine kind of tunnel vision, if uh, around my eyes, that's my field of vision. If I'm looking directly at it, most of the time I can see it. If it's below me, next to me, um, 
it's just not something that I see. So for example, when I'm meeting a new person, if I'm looking at their face and they're going to shake my hand, I'm not going to see their hand for the handshake. Um, I don't use a screen reader right now. Maybe I'll be using one in the future, but what the vision that I do have is correctable. I wear glasses, I can use a phone, but I do have issues with color contrast. That's a really big one for me. Depth perception, night blindness. So my vision is better during the day than it is at night. I use a white cane for mobility. I don't use it in every setting. So that's something that I love having it as a tool that can help me. If I'm gonna go out by myself or I'm gonna go in a new area or it's nighttime, then I, I decide like, okay, I wanna have the cane. And it's really been super helpful to me. And then with my hearing, I wear the hearing aids. I'm fortunate to have access to the premium models. There is an equity baked into the hearing aid industry because there are four tiers of the models. So, I mean, that's something I really don't like and they're super expensive. If you don't have access to an insurance that does cover them, a lot of them don't, but I know there's some legislation that's hopefully coming out or putting being put into effect to help people access hearing aids. But yeah, I struggle sometimes with online meetings that don't have closed captions, for example, that's not accessible to me. And in group conversations, loud environments, dark environments, all of that is gonna be challenging for me to navigate. So I adapt like any other disabled person. I adapt, I set boundaries. Sometimes I'll deal with a tough situation and sometimes I don't want to, and that's okay. So I, I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does answer my question. And there was so many great things that you said. <clears throat> One of the things I love is you talking about the progression of coming into disability pride and how that's, you know, it's not always the case that people are just like, okay, I have a disability. Let's go take on the world. Yay. You know, it, it happens for some people, but <laughs> um, even for me, I was born with my disability and it wasn't always a thing that was like, that, that I accept it. It was just like, yeah, this sucks. This is horrible. And especially as a child, missing out on a lot of things that my friends were doing. And it was just like, yeah, this is not cool. And I knew I was born with it. I knew it wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> but it was just like, yeah, I don't like it today. And I don't like it for this week. And, you know, maybe I'll get to a point where I'm okay with it. And thankfully, I did. Uh, fairly quickly too. I would say by time I was in my teens, I was like, okay, I can, you know, stop being this way <laughs> and start, uh, you know, enjoying life because that's what I found that I was missing out on the things that I could do. And although I couldn't play football or basketball like my friends did, um, you know, there there were things that I could do that I was missing out on by, you know, worrying about other stuff that I can't do. So uh, it is a journey uh, for a lot of people to reach the, the place of, like you said, disability pride. And we're recording this in July. So this is disability pride month. So this is a, a great, yes, it's a great conversation <laughs> uh, for us to be having. So it's really, um, I, I love what you said about that and just being real about it because I, I know for me, a lot of times um, 
I, I don't always show my bad days when I'm frustrated about having a disability and the pain that I might be in because my back hurts or my legs ache or, or whatever the reason is. I don't show that to the, you know, the outside world and to um, even to a lot of my friends and family. I don't show that to most of the time. So it's like, oh, you're always so happy and you're always, you know, upbeat and outgoing and it's like, yeah, but you didn't see me like first thing this morning or late last night when I was tossing and turning because I couldn't sleep. So, uh, you know, it, it is a journey to and, and it's a, a constant um, a, a tug of war kind of thing for me, at least, where sometimes even now at 39 years old, I can, you know, still say it's frustrating sometimes to have this disability, uh, you know, for for multiple reasons. So I really appreciate you, um, you know, stating that, uh, you know, you're process of getting to uh, becoming uh, pride, having pride in your uh, disability diagnosis. <clears throat> so in your introduction, you mentioned that you were a DEI consultant, which stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you tell us um, a little bit about those three terms and um, just a, a little bit about the work that you do with uh, companies that you work with? I really like this simple way of describing these concepts through the lens of a party. Many people use these definitions. I don't know if it's attributed to one particular source. I would love to give credit. I haven't seen one person being credited for this. Diversity is described as inviting people to the party. So if you have a diverse party, you've invited everyone. You've got disabled people, you've got people from different religions, different races, you know, all the diversity dimensions are represented. So in a workplace setting, that's like hiring disabled people and hiring a diverse set of employees. And the, the concept of equity is described as everyone contributing to the playlist. You're talking about the design, the rules, the decisions and having that be free of bias, discrimination, and prejudice. Um, so in the workplace, that could translate to a promotions policy that is equitable and fair, where everyone has an opportunity to advance. Inclusion is described as inviting people to dance. So you're at this party, and you've invited this amazing, cool, diverse set of people. But if there's only one group of people dancing and participating, then it doesn't really matter if you have diversity in the room, if they're just, you know, not participating. In a work setting, I would describe that as uh, creating inclusive meetings, accessible meetings, where everyone can participate, having a safe culture where people feel comfortable to speak up and share their ideas or argue against something that they don't agree with. And that's not always present. Um, for me in particular, if a meeting doesn't have closed captions, you're not going to get my full participation. You're not going to get my full talents. So that's the difference between diversity, equity, and inclusion. There are other schools of thought that add on other letters. Some people add on a B for belonging, a J for justice, an A for accessibility, and create different versions of this acronym. My, my work in companies is centered around disability within D 
DEI work. And I call myself a DEI consultant. And I think many times people have this idea that DEI only relates to race and it does not. It relates to all the diversity dimensions. And disability is the only one I believe that intersects with everything else. You can be black and disabled, you can be Latina and disabled, you can be Muslim and disabled, like it will, can anybody can become disabled or be disabled. The other thing that I frequently highlight is that the numbers are there. Like if you look at the numbers of people in the United States who are disabled, right now it's estimated that one in four adults has a disability. So 25%, that's a sizable number. So focusing on disability, if you look at the data, makes sense. What I offer are workshops and consulting. Workshops are a great way to start the conversation, to bring in foundational concepts and understanding, to get people even comfortable with talking about disability, because unfortunately, ableism and stigma make a lot of people feel like disability is a dirty word, a bad word, and shouldn't even be said. So there's a lot to correct and provide at the beginning, just dealing with language and what should, how should we view disability? How can we avoid microaggressions? How can we talk about it? How can we respond appropriately when someone discloses their disability? Like these are just basic things to work on. So that's what I focus on in the workshop. I also focus on other topics like inclusion, being an inclusive manager, for example, telling my story of intersectionality and my story with disability. And one of the reasons that I share my story, and this is good for a more informal lunch and learn or whatever a company is open to, if it's more of a Q&A. In order to get allyship around disability, in order to get it prioritized, people have to care and people have to connect. So if they don't really know anyone who's disabled, they think they don't know anyone, they're not going to really have a connection. So by coming in and offering my story, whether that's in a workshop or even just online with Bindish Latina, I'm like, here, I'm gonna be the disabled person that you know. I'm gonna make it real for you. I'm gonna make it human for you so that you're not gonna ignore it any longer. So that's my intention there. And I also offer consulting, which is really tied to a company's specific objectives, but that's a great place to do strategy work. So, okay, you're ready to build a disability inclusion strategy. You're gonna involve your whole company. Like, let's go. That's so, it's the work that you do is just so great. And I love what you said about diversity is often tied to race and possibly religion. Um, but a lot of times disability is left out of that diversity conversation. And it's such a shame because as you mentioned again, 25% of the population of adults is, is thought to have some type of disability diagnosis. That's a lot of people. <laughs> you know, that is a that is a lot of people. So there is a large community of people with disabilities that are out there. And again, going back to what you said originally with um, 
you know, stressing your educational background, it's really just a, you know, it's a thing that we need to tell people that we're out here, we're looking for jobs, number one, we would like to work <laughs> and participate in, uh, you know, society and uh, making our own money and standing on our own two feet kind of thing. Um, you know, but if people are not aware, people who are running companies, if they're not aware of how to better serve people, whether it's, like you said, with uh, captions on, uh, you know, their Zoom meetings or just making their buildings more accessible for people, it's, you know, they have to learn, they have to be educated somewhere by someone. And the fact that you said like, hey, I'll be that person for you <laughs> uh, is really, really great. And that's, uh, you know, that's a stance that I like to take as well. Like, hey, I will help you you know, make these changes and really uh, embrace people with disabilities and really find out what it is that they need, uh, you know, for their accessibility uh, to be better in their buildings and, and just the way that they communicate with those who have disabilities. And I think it's really, really great what you're doing. And, um, you know, it's much needed to add in the uh, disability aspect of the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I love your, um, <laughs> also loved your uh, explanation of what each of those terms mean. And, you know, it's like, hey, if you only have one group of people dancing, it's, that's not really, <laughs> not really being inclusive. I love, I love music. So I really relate it to that, uh, to those analogies that you were using. <laughs> um, so Speaking, and I, I will definitely disclose this um, for myself, I've been doing this podcast for a year, and I've really struggled with uh, finding a good uh, video recording software that uses closed captioning. And you and I had that conversation uh, when scheduling your uh, interview today, uh, just to find you know, if it was Zoom, I use WebEx and I couldn't figure out how to use the WebEx closed captioning. Um, so it's really, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of apps, a lot of companies and software programs, they're doing a lot better with including uh, closed captioning and other accessibility features. A lot of them still have a long way to go and uh, <laughs> need to improve on some things. But um, can you tell us what are some of your favorite apps or programs that you use for closed captioning um, for your social media videos, for example? You do great, uh, great videos, great reels and things like that. Uh, so could you tell us some of the apps that you use for your closed captioning and um, why they are your favorite? First of all, everyone making content on social media should add a caption to their videos and content. And if you're a company and you have public facing videos like on your website, if you have them on your social media, that's somewhere where I'm immediately gonna look for that. Like, are they accessible with their public videos? And as far as apps and things that are easy to use to caption these videos, my favorite one that I use all the time, is called Capwing and it's, a desktop website. So I don't think they have a mobile version, which is really fine for long form videos that you would um, want to take the time to upload it to your computer and then caption them. It's easy to use. There's one button that you push to automatically generate 
the captions and then you can go in and correct them. So it shortcuts the process for you with that automatic generation. I believe they also might be available in different languages now too. I don't remember, but I think you would be able to automatically generate captions for more than just the English language. They also have a Facebook group, so you can ask questions of other creators and dialogue about any challenges that you have, which I also really like because a lot of tech companies make their customer service features really difficult to get in touch with. <laughs> so just knowing that there's a Facebook group where people, users are helping each other, but then also the company comes in and like, I know one person who works there, like he's always commenting and responding. So that just makes me feel better that I can get a question <laughs> answered. Um, so that's like my favorite one, but it's really more suited to longer form videos where you're gonna take the time to do that. Now, Instagram finally caught up with their captions tool for stories, but I don't know if everyone around the world has it. And that's one thing I don't like about certain features that they don't get rolled out to the global audience. And I don't understand why you're gonna create that inequity. But um, another thing about just the existence of captions is not necessarily enough because the color contrast would be another thing that I'd like to see standard so that if for the Instagram stories, they're coming out with white text, could I please have a background behind that that is black or that will contrast with it? So if the video color kind of washes out the, the contrast with the text, like I wouldn't be able to adjust that as a creator. And I noticed that in certain apps, you cannot make a high contrast with the text for the captions. And that's super important. There are other apps that I've used. I think there's a lot of them out there. Clips is free and it's on iPhone. It's not available on Android. That's one that I have used as well. But ultimately, I just want to see a standardization of <laughs> captions being available because we're having to do a lot of work as individuals to make our content accessible. And we really, technology really needs to make it easier for us and, and create it as part of the default on these platforms. They also need to be rolling out their technology in a more comprehensive way. So I'll go back to Instagram just because it's a platform I know well. They've rolled out captions for stories, but it's optional. Not everyone is going to add that. Then you have the lives, no captions available on a live. I've done lives before where I've turned on the automatically generated captions when I've uploaded that. And I frequently have an issue that they don't actually show up. So now the live is inaccessible still and I'm not always able to download it and add the captions myself. So there's another aspect that's not accessible. User-generated content is up to them. So when I'm navigating Instagram, they may or may not have captions on their content. They may or may not have image descriptions in their captions. So I think social media is really challenging and it, there are so many spaces where people want to connect and people 
want to be there and disabled people are just left out and excluded in what might look like small ways, but are actually really impactful and hurtful for people. Yes, to everything you just said. <laughs> it's really, um, even, even what you just said, where some apps are available only for iPhone or only for Android, it's just like, why not roll them out to all cell phone carriers into their app stores? Like that's, you know, everybody needs these um, these features. And again, with um, the inconsistency, like you mentioned with Instagram, having captions available in some places and not others, it's really, um, it, it's frustrating at times because it's, you know, it does, it makes for a lot of work for, uh, you know, for the person that has to go in and, and type out everything. And, and it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's just amazing how, they can do so many other things that are much bigger than <laughs> creating something that will generate accurate captions. Uh, you know, but just the fact that you can save everything to a, to a phone or to a computer, and it's just like, it doesn't seem like adding captions would be something that's that difficult. But, um, <laughs> so they are, they are getting better. But again, like with a lot of things, there are uh, a lot more, uh, there is a lot more that can be done that should be done and hopefully is uh, being worked on and hopefully it's being worked on with people uh, within the disabled community who actually use these features and know how they should work. And as you said, mentioning the uh, the contrast with the words and the dark background, if the words are being written in a lighter text uh, color like white, it should have a darker background so it can stand out and be seen. So it's, you know, and that may or may not be something that is, um, you know, that people would naturally think about uh, if they don't have to use uh, captioning. So it's really, um, you know, it's important that while they are creating uh, updated features for uh, captioning and other accessibility features, it's so important that they include those with disabilities in these conversations in this development process because, uh you know, we always need to know, I, I think we, as people in the, in the disabled community, I think we know what works for us best. It's the same thing with me. I have a physical disability where I can't stand up without my leg braces on. So it's like, it's great that the, uh, you know, the shower or the next to the toilet, there's a grab bar. But if, if it's not in the right place, it's useless for me but they're going by what the Americans with Disabilities Act says and they're putting it, you know, so many feet away or, or in a certain position, but it's not actually able to be used behind me or, you know, it's not, it's not in a great location. So uh, again, including people with disabilities in these conversations and the development of these uh, accessibility features in all areas, I think it should be a, uh, a more standard uh, type of thing. For my next question to you, can you tell us, um, can you tell us something that you would like everyone to know about uh, DEI and why it is so important to uh, have uh, diversity and equity and inclusion in the workplace? DEI is really important because when you do well as a company, 
with diversity, equity, and inclusion, you're going to do well as a company and your profits and your innovation and your ability to attract and retain talent. You'll be known as a great place to work. So it shouldn't be seen as something separate or an initiative that is not part of your regular work. It should be part of your work to be a great company. It should be part of your values. It should be a non-negotiable component of your organization. And why is this so important in the workplace? People will feel safe. People will feel heard. They will feel like they can contribute their full talent and they will align with your values and build sense of trust if leadership is consistent. For disability in particular, when you focus on disability inclusion and accessibility, it actually helps everyone. So I love that. I love that benefit because we see it time and time again. Any accessible change for the disability community ends up being used by everybody depending on context and situations. So let's give a few examples. Closed captions. People are using closed captions on the subway when they are in a loud environment and they can't hear their phone or when they're at work watching a little video and they're not, they're not gonna turn on that volume. <laughs> so closed captions, you might use them when you're tired and you don't really have the capacity to kind of understand the speech as well as you would when you have your full energy. Curb cuts, they're the most popular one to talk about that, okay, curb cuts were designed for wheelchair users, but everyone's using them. You're pushing a stroller, you're pulling a package, you're just wanting to walk safely, you're an elderly person. Whatever it is, the fact that they're there now it opens up a whole bunch of other uses, no matter how it was designed or like who it was designed for. So I think that that's really important to recognize. Um, and so you're going to have much more benefit than you think when you focus on being accessible, being inclusive. And one of the things about doing that as well that I love to emphasize is that if you're designing products to be accessible, your products are going to be better. They're going to be more innovative. You are going to have more success with that product. So there's everyone should be doing it. Just everyone should be doing it. It's very, very important. And if it feels overwhelming for you, if it's not something that as a company or a leader that you've worked on before, it is just like anything else new that you're doing. Take it one step at a time, commit to the journey, and just begin. So, so good. That is so good. And I love what you said about don't think of it as something separate, but make it a part of make it a part of the the workplace culture, you know, make it a part of the everyday. So that it's, you know, it may start off, as you said, as something new. So it's you know, it's scary. Anything new is it can be scary for people. But as you commit to it and do it more consistently and really uh, 
dedicate yourself to it and the company and the other employees to it, it really will become, you know, become second nature, becomes part of the everyday. So it's not, um, you know, it'll be less scary and, you know, you won't even realize you're doing it because it's just a part of your everyday life. And the curb cutout is the great example of <laughs> everybody uses it. You know, and some a lot of times people don't realize they're using it, but it's like, oh, there's because they're, they're often they are at the crosswalks. So, you know, it's just in a natural line of, of the way you're going. You just use the curb cut out and you go up. <laughs> so it's really, uh, you know, it's really great to uh, just consider it, like you said, as something part of of the whole workplace vibe and how you, uh, you know, how you run your company, your business. So. Hopefully, uh, people are doing uh, a lot more to, um, you know, commit to the DEI in their uh, workplaces. As we uh, wrap up the conversation, um, can you tell us what type of impact are you hoping to make on the world? I think all of us have some type of um, mission in life and something that we're passionate about. And again, I follow you on social media. I love your, all of your posts. I've learned so much just from, uh, following you and just, I love your, uh, the videos and everything that you post. So, uh, you're definitely impacting me and the way that I am, uh, you know, doing things. So, um, can you just talk about what your hope uh, what you hope to uh, and leave your impact on the world? I love this question. Yes. It's exciting to think about hopes for the future and how you can be a part of that. For me, one of my clearest goals is to activate non-disabled allyship, to increase awareness among non-disabled people about disability, to get them to care and to take concrete steps to support us. So on Instagram, for example, I'm always talking to the non-disabled community and that's my primary audience. And I try to make that really clear. What I love about that is that the disabled community comes in because they feel seen, they feel validated, they're learning too, just like what you shared. And they add so much as well, their stories and the comments. And so it becomes, this space where everyone can be a stigma smasher. That's what I call my community, mm -hmm. stigma smashers, because we can all do it, whether we have a disability or, or not, we can actively smash stigmas. And I view that as a call to action. You're not gonna sit around at home and do nothing and then call yourself a stigma smasher. You have to actively do it. So I really want to see my impact grow and terms of reaching more people, speaking to more people, bringing that message to them and having an impact on those potential non-disabled allies. So that's a big change that I want to see everybody that's engaging with me to be taking action and for that audience to expand. So I do see myself writing a book, speaking on bigger stages, sharing my story in, in that way. The other thing that, in terms of the impact that I want to leave is of course, being able to impact my clients and those workplaces. Because if I'm able to make a change in somebody's workplace, 
then that's a legacy and that structure for other employees, for anybody who's going to come in there in the future and for the thought process of the leadership. So I know that my impact will be about touching hearts and minds and impacting action. And I'm also open about what that will look like because I don't know what's going to happen in my business in one year, two years. Opportunities are gonna be presenting themselves to me and I'm also gonna be continuously evolving. So I'm really excited. I know that it's gonna be big. I know that I'm going to be part of this change and there are other leaders doing this work that I love to see and connect with each other as well because there is this loud voice for disability inclusion, for accessibility, and I think it will become undeniable. Yes, and I really appreciate the action part of what you said. <laughs> you know, it's like you got to put, you can say whatever you want. Actions speak louder than words. <laughs> it's You can say a whole lot of stuff and, you know, you can wish for things to happen and wish for change and you know, say that things need to change, but you have to put some action behind all of it. And I also like what you said that your, you know, your focus is on creating allies within the disabled community. It's great when we can, uh, you know, talk to each other as people with disabilities and share our ideas. And it's also just as important to gain allies and people who support us who are not necessarily disabled and um you know family and friends that's that those are great people to have involved as well because they know our stories and know our situations a little bit but gaining people who uh as we mentioned earlier that don't have any interaction with anyone with a disability those are the people who also need to be reached because they may have certain uh old belief stereotypes that they have about people with disabilities and they have to see how things have changed and how things need to continue to change. So we need everybody involved in this, um, you know, in this plan to move forward and to make changes with uh, within the disabled community and for uh, policies and accessibility and everything that impacts those who have disabilities. We need everybody in on this uh, on this journey to make this change happen. So I'd love, uh, you know, I'd love the action, the action part piece that you uh, were stressing there. That's really so important. And uh, to wrap up our conversation, can you please tell everyone where they can find you on social media and your website and any other information you would like to share with how uh, people can connect with you? For sure. So everyone can connect with me at my website, katarinarivera.com. You can book me for speaking or submit an inquiry to interview me on my connect page. I'm on Instagram and Clubhouse as Blindish Latina. And I don't know if you need me to spell that or if it will be in the show notes, but um, it's B-L-I-N-D-I-S-H. L-A-T-I-N-A, Blindish Latina. I'm also on Facebook as Blindish Latina, but Instagram is where I'm super active and I always have a link in bio 
with my latest activities. One thing that I have in my link in bio is a free ebook on 12, like 12 best practices for accessibility where I provide a lot of resources. So that's a great resource if you're looking for more. I'm also releasing an ebook that is paid. It's coming out right now. So by the time this podcast is out, it will be available. It is called 32 Tools for Hearing Accessibility. So it's a book really for those with hearing disabilities and their allies who want to learn about different tools that are out there. And we have them grouped into different categories. So I've written this book with a co-author named Mariana Paulino. So I'm always putting out different resources and always booking clients for my work. So I look forward to seeing you, whether it's on Blindish Latina or just on my website. It's always great to connect with more people. Yes. And as I've mentioned throughout this podcast, your content is so great, so informative. I I said it before, I'll say it again. I have learned so much uh, just following you and the different posts that you uh, create on your Instagram. Uh, I know we've been in a few clubhouse rooms together as well. And just the conversations that are had on that app. I've been talking about it for a few months here on my podcast. Um, and the disability community that is on Clubhouse is quite impressive and quite amazing. There's so many great people there uh, that bring up such great conversations. And um, it's it's really just, it's so important, again, that we talk with each other and hear each other's stories as people who live with disabilities and hear our experiences and to share our resources because things that I might know about, you might not know about and vice versa. So it's really important that we, um, you know, share the things that, uh, that we need as far as accessibility goes, uh, just because you, you never know you know, and sharing it on this podcast, you never know who might listen to this, who might just say like, hey, I need to make a change in the business that I run, that I own. And, uh, you know, I, I need to make things more accessible. So it's, you know, I encourage everybody to uh, please follow uh, Katerina, follow all other disabled uh, content creators on any <laughs> social media platform. You will definitely learn uh, so much valuable information. And uh, Katerina, I, I thank you so much again for your time today and uh, really grateful for uh, sharing your story and your experiences with all of our uh, listeners here today. Thank you, Art, for inviting me. It was such a pleasure and I'm glad that you have been enjoying my content. I look forward to staying connected. Yes, I will definitely be connected with you. Um, and hopefully, uh, as I say to all of my guests, hopefully I will uh, be able to work with you in some way in the future. I'm uh, looking forward to staying in touch and definitely, um, you know, again, sharing some spaces with you, whether it be Clubhouse and when we're all allowed back outside in person and just um, keep up the great work and what you're doing. And just as a reminder to everybody, you know, make sure that you put some action behind your words, um, you know, for the changes that you want to see uh, in your communities, in your workplaces, as far as uh, disability awareness and education and accessibility go. Just, um, you know, put those words into action. And uh, it's so important. 
uh, that we had this conversation. So once again, I thank you, Katerina, and I um, will be in touch and talk to you soon. This concludes this episode of Our View Podcast. We thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our YouTube channel. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more disability-related content at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four L-I-F-E. Thanks for listening.